And when God talks about transformation in the Bible, it's not something that you can go backwards, okay? It's, it's the butterfly can't, like, become a caterpillar again. <laughs> That's impossible, okay? In fact, the butterfly doesn't even crawl around on the ground anymore. He's like, I really like, fly, you know, I like these wings, but I think I'll still crawl on the ground. He's like completely new, okay? And that's the kind of transformation that the Bible talks about when we become born again, the new birth, or becoming a Christian, or a Christ follower, or a believer. That's what it's talking about, okay? So um, there's no turning back. It's our desire here at Heritage Community Church that we be a transformational church, now, the way that happens is to fill this church with transformational people. Does that make sense? Right? <laughs> I'm very simple, okay? Um, it, a church is transformed. It's, it's people that have passed through that um, cocoon of God that he makes us new, and, and then we fill this church with those types of people. If the church is full of people that come on Sundays because they think it's the thing to do or because it's a habit or it makes them feel better about themselves, then it's impossible for us to be a transformational church. Are you with me? So it's kind of on all of us, if we're going to be a transformational church, to make sure we are transformed people first. Okay? That's where we're going. Now, uh, over the next two weeks, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians. This is a book written by Paul to a church at Thessalonica. He called them, they were called the Thessalonians. And as we read first chapter today, you're going to see, man, he was pretty excited. Paul had started this church, and then he had left, and now he wrote this letter to them, okay? Now, when Paul writes a letter to the church, it's not always good job, okay? If you read the first chapter of Galatians, it will look different than the first chapter we're going to read today because they were kind of missing it. And these guys, he was pretty excited about what they were doing. And if Sydney, who had started our church, left our church, and two years later wrote us a letter, I would want it to be a letter of, hey, I hear things are going pretty good, not what the heck are you doing? And so that's where we're going to be starting at today. So I'm going to read, there's only 10 verses in this first chapter, and, um, and I know that we sold y'all books that are the NLT translation, but I don't study out of that, and so... You can still read it. It's the same Bible. <laughs> it's not like different Bible, but the words might be different. But my words that I'm reading are going to be up here in case it bothers you that much. Okay. Verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. That's the guys that were writing the letter. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in the Lord has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves, those people in other countries, report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, 
who delivers us from the wrath to come. So um, that's a pretty good opening, right? The Thessalonians got to be feeling pretty decent about themselves. So that is the kind of letter to a church that I would like our church to be, that, that Heritage Community Church desires a transformed church, a kind of church where people in other places are talking about us, not because we got the coolest thing going on or because we got an exciting pastor or a fantastic music and, uh, <laughs> um, or a big building or the most incredible children's programs going on. Those things seem really small compared to people in other countries are coming to know the Lord because of you, right? Okay, so just like a good Baptist preacher, I have three main points today. So if you're a note taker, this will be easy, okay? And I'll try to specifically say point one, and then you'll know. If you're not a note taker, you should be, and your Bible has room in it, so just write in your Bible. It's okay. It's allowed. And, um, and I'll try to at least say some things that I think you should underline, okay? So the first point comes from verse 3. Steve, throw verse 3 up there for me. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever version you're reading there, um, underline the words faith, love, and hope. Okay? Now, faith, hope, and love are obvious marks of the Christian life. Okay? Is anyone familiar with the love chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13? You've read that, all the weddings you go to. The last verse of that chapter, it says, And these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So faith, hope, and love, Paul happened to write that letter too. So he, he's pretty excited when he sees people that have faith, hope, and love because those are obvious, clear marks of a Christian life. It doesn't make sense to have faith in Jesus if you're not a Christian. Um, the Bible tells us that God is love, so that means we can't love other people unless we have God inside of us, right? And hope, we don't have hope unless we had, know that we'd have hope in Jesus Christ and him returning. In fact, if you read the whole book of First Thessalonians, Paul talks about the second coming of Christ quite a bit. In fact, every chapter ends with a verse about the next coming of Christ. So that is our hope, is that one day, even though things may be bad here, he's coming back. So, what? oh, throw that back up there, Steve. Steve's in the closet now, so it's different. I'm trying to figure all this out. Um, work of faith. I think when Paul puts work of faith, it shows that Paul believes that faith is busy. Okay? We know Paul doesn't believe you gain salvation through works. Okay? We know that he does not believe that, but he does believe that faith in God should lead us to doing works. Is everybody okay with saying that? Okay? What are some of the things that our faith would lead us to do? Help others? Great. What else? You can speak out. I don't care. What would your faith in Jesus Christ lead you to do? Sacrifice? Okay. What else? Missions? Okay. What else? Witness? That, that would be a pretty good one. Um, I, I tried to write down a few. I think if we have faith in Jesus, it would lead us to the work of prayer. Is that fair? If we don't spend a whole lot of time in prayer... What does that say about our faith in Jesus? It says it's really small because we trust in ourselves to do things instead of going to him. Okay, I mean, the Bible talks about us praying a lot. Our faith in Jesus ought to lead us to reading the Bible. If, if you're one of those guys that shows up on Sunday morning with the Bible and that's your Bible reading for the week, I gotta tell you, it tells me your faith in Jesus is pretty small. 
I mean, Jesus, God wrote this book. Thankfully, he didn't leave us here on earth and just say, good luck. He wrote this book to tell us about what he thinks about things and about how we ought to live our life. And faith in him would tell me that if my faith is pretty big in him, I would want to know what he has to say. So faith ought to lead to the work of reading the Bible. Does reading the Bible save you? No. It, does your faith it leads you to that, though? Um, evangelism. Sandy said witness. If we have faith in Jesus and believe that everyone who doesn't is going to hell, should that lead us to telling them about Jesus? Yeah. Thank you, Bree. I thought it was funny, too. But how many of us, how serious, how many of us do call ourselves Christians and we don't bother to, to tell other people about that? Our faith in Jesus ought to lead us to the work of evangelism here in our community, here in other country, across in other countries. Um, it ought to lead to generosity. You know, uh, someone says sacrifice. Someone said being a servant. You know, I think of, of Ricky. You know, I mean, man, you spent a lot of time up here. And, and Ricky didn't say, hey, I'll, I'll come and do all this stuff, you know, for $1,000. No, he said, I'll just come and do it. Man, he had three ladders in here, and, and Ricky's got some tools. Y'all should see his tools. <laughs> he had a cart with all kinds of tool bags on it. I mean, we worked. He worked all day Thursday and most of the day Friday out of just generosity, but I, think, I believe that his faith in Jesus leads him to do those works of generosity. Does that make sense? We don't need to ask for something back in return. So, um, work of faith. Throw that verse back up there again, Steve. You can just leave it up there for right now. I'm going to move this away from my mouth a little bit. Work of faith. Then next he talks about a labor of love. Um, this labor of love, what did I write about that? It said this, a labor of love was more than just small random acts of kindness, but expresses a laborious toil and hardship for love's sake. In fact, this love that this verse is talking about is agape love. If you've ever heard people talk about agape love, that's the kind of love Jesus loved us with when he died on the cross for us, even when we didn't deserve it. Do we love people like that, even when they don't deserve it? That's the way the Thessalonians were loving people. Paul was excited, said, we hear about your labor of love and how you're loving people in that way. At Heritage Community Church, we desire to be a church that loves people. In fact, one of our core values is that people matter. We didn't say good people, or we didn't say people of our race, or people of our culture, or people who don't bother us. People matter, all people, people that have done us wrong, people that frustrate us, people that are different from us, people matter. And the Thessalonians were loving those kinds of people. That's the way we ought to be loving people, this labor of love. The last one is steadfastness of hope. And we talked about that's the hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ returning one day. It's not like a passive, wimpy, suffering kind of like, well, I hope things get better. You know, like I'm a Christian and... Things are going bad, but I hope, I hope. No, it's no matter what I'm going through, it's this manly endurance kind of hope. No matter what, I know I'm walking through this with Jesus Christ, and one day he's going to return. He told me we'd have problems here on earth. One day he'll return, and everything will be fine because he'll rescue us to heaven, and I'll be with him. That's the hope we have. It's not hope that I hope things go good. It's hope that one day I know in for sure he's returning and our life will be perfect in heaven with him. And this is the kind of hope the Thessalonians had. And so Paul was excited. So point number one, note takers, thank you, is that point number one is what? Okay, that 
A transformational church will be a people that have faith, hope, and love. Point number one. Point number two comes from verses seven and eight. See verse seven and eight. Throw that up there. Here we go. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. We don't even need to say anything. The, the, uh, the Thessalonians were becoming examples to all the believers everywhere, not just necessarily the people that were close to them, but in other countries. And this is a time where they weren't flying on airplanes to go on mission trips. So the word was moving through other countries about this church. What do people say about Heritage Community Church? Do you ever hear people talk in the community about Heritage Community Church? I do sometimes. You ever hear anybody? I mean, a lot of you came to this church because you heard people in the community talking, didn't you? Uh, I think that's a good thing. And I, and I want, you know, this summer we're taking a trip to Poland. You know that our very first trip, uh, overseas mission trip, in a young church like this, we have 11 people going. And we had some people that couldn't go that wanted to go. That's fantastic. And you know what's happening in Poland? Remember Clinton Missy that came? And they're there for six years committing to plant a church. They're meeting people right now who will one day be a part of that church they plant. And guess what? We're going to be there this summer and next summer and the next summer. That means when that church eventually starts, we will have been a part of it from the beginning. Pretty cool idea, huh? When Clinton Missy's team leaves after six years and they leave a healthy reproducing church, we get to keep going back. And people in Poland will be saying, oh, you know that Heritage Church in Florida? Yeah, we love those guys. They've been part of our church from day one. That's exciting. That's way better than, oh, they got cool music or they got good children's ministry. When people in another country are talking about the love that we have for them, that's a big deal. And I'm excited about that. Um, this would be a good time to play that message. I'm assuming James is, is there's no way he's finding that internet, but I did want you to hear, you know, one thing that we've impacted James because you guys um, provided for him financially for him to go to Pakistan and India this past week. Do you know what he's doing? He's been training small church leaders in how to evangelize a place where they're not allowed to speak about God. He, have you, has anyone been following James on Twitter and Facebook this week? I remember one tweet, uh, he was... Uh, in a van with 11 church leaders going down the road and he said they were quietly singing praises to God as they were excited about what was going on but they were afraid that other people might hear. He said one night they had a, a evangelism concert one night where the guy he's with spoke and James and these uh, other local people he got together to form a band led worship and he said there were more uh, automatic weapons in the crowd than hand instruments because they a lot of time bring hand instruments to concerts and he said it's crazy but I don't know how good this quality is going to be, so turn your ears up. And um, this is a message that James left for our church last night. It's about a minute 50. Good morning, Heritage Church family. This is James Teeley. It is Saturday morning here in... Uh, Pakistan. I'm in uh, the outskirts of Faisalabad, Pakistan. 
Um, we're about to start here in a few minutes training church leaders. They'll have uh, close to 50 people, they think, cramped in a little room in uh, this building where we are to do some training. These are um, pastors from house churches. They are uh, Bible study group uh, leaders from around uh, this city in uh, central Pakistan. I wanted to thank you so much for your uh, investment in this trip, for your provision, giving me the opportunity to come at the last minute to uh, uh, join my brother Jeff in uh, doing this work. It really is remarkable all that we have uh, seen so far from uh, churches that are scattered out around this place. We've done several open-air, outdoor uh, meetings, even though uh, people are very afraid. They haven't been able to advertise, of course, in the media because uh, uh, people are very afraid for their security to uh, uh, come out. They're being very careful with us uh, as well. It really has been a remarkable opportunity to speak the name of Jesus in a place where his name is so rarely heard and to offer encouragement to uh, believers who are here. Thank you so much again for your investment. Please know that as you're worshiping this morning, uh, we are praying for you. Pray that this is a uh, remarkable morning of worship. Um, we will, uh, by the time you're worshiping on Sunday morning, uh, we will have crossed the border into India uh, and we'll be making our way uh, toward the eastern coast of India. We'll spend next week training uh, church leaders in that part of, uh, of the world as well. Thanks again for your investment. God bless you as you continue your worship this morning. Isn't that great? That's exciting. Yeah, you can clap. I think God likes it when we clap for him. I don't know how to get this new case on here. It's bothering me. I'll figure it out later. Uh, but you, you played a part in that. And now people in a place where... Here, i tell you what. Um, where, where Jesus' name is hardly ever spoken, and when it is, is many times it's in fear... And this last week, they've been worshiping him there. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, so, point number two. Becoming examples to believers. That's how we become transformed. When we know we're transformed is when we're being an example to other believers. Um, yeah. I think James is being an example to people in other countries today in this past week. I think we'll be an example to other believers when we go to Poland. I think we're examples to people in this community when we do things like the Easter egg hunt coming up and people show up and they're like, who put this huge thing on for these thousands of people? And people start saying, Heritage Community Church, Heritage Community Church. And, and, and Miss Arlen's over there reading about the, the resurrection eggs and it's in the middle of a baseball field in Lady Lake. That's pretty cool. Point three is um, one I'll probably spend the most time on, and it's the last one, um, because I get really nervous about um, what it's talking about. Verse nine, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. This is very important, and of course, back then, they were talking about turning away from, like, golden calves and weird things that, you know, if you'd worship today, you'd probably be made fun of, so we don't really fall into that, but we do know that there are times that we put idols in our life, and it's hard to turn away from them. 
especially the scary part, what I get nervous about is when we don't realize it's happened. Does that make sense? Many times the idol, you know what the idol is in our life? It's ourself. And we don't think about it because we think, well, God wants me to be happy and God wants me to think highly of myself. He thinks highly of myself. And of course those are true, but he never intended for us to put ourselves in front of him. And so what happens is when, uh, when Paul is saying, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, Paul obviously believes in a one God religion. Okay, you with me? People would call that monotheism. Is that right, theologians? Okay, so monotheism. If Paul is saying, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I can't go that close. When he says living, he's trying to say, you know, you, we're serving these gods that are not even alive. You know, these dead things. It doesn't even make sense. The living and true God. And Paul is saying there is only one God. And it's important to know, especially in this day and time, when we're all about accepting everybody and making everyone happy. And when we've got people that are Christians, claiming to be Christians, going on TV and and when people ask them, is God the only way to heaven? And they go, well, I don't know. That's a big problem because Paul is saying there is only one true God, one living God. He's the God that made the universe. That's a pretty big accomplishment. And he's the God that wrote the Bible. He's the God of this Bible, the Holy Bible, the thing that's been around for like 2,000 years. It's pretty amazing that it's been like that. And so uh, it's a big deal that Paul wants us to know that there is only one God, one true living God, and that's the God that we need to worship. And to become a completely transformed person, we have to turn away from the idols and turn towards that God. Are you with me? There are some things in our life that we put in front of God and, and some of them are really sad. I was, Mark is my new friend. Thanks, Mark. I really like Mark, and we were eating lunch the other day, and we were talking about, you know, I, I cut off my cable last fall because I needed to save money. He hadn't had cable in a long time, and he told me it's because, man, I don't want God to show up, you know, tomorrow night coming back from heaven, and me be able to say, well, God, I was spending all my time watching TV. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's seriously we don't think about ourselves worshiping the TV, but how much time does the TV, or even these days, the internet, get of our time rather than God's word and prayer, which is one of those things that faith in God will lead us to, remember? It's, it's easy to sit down on the couch and turn that on or put the laptop in our lap, and next thing we know, we've been surfing YouTube for two hours. That's, that's not the kind of uh, Christians in, these, in this early day would think, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, not because they don't know what the internet is, but they're like, why would you spend your time like that? Um, and I wanted to read this quote real quick. There's a sermon titled, Time is Short. And it's an old sermon by a guy named Robert Murray Machanan. He says this, Brethren, if you are ever so much, you know it's old when he starts out, brethren. <laughs> brethren, if you are ever so much taken up with any enjoyment that it takes away your love for prayer or for your Bible, then you are abusing this world. Oh, sit loose to this world's joy. He, he was pretty passionate that our most, our biggest work, our most thing that we spend our time in, our most uh, investing is in God's word and in prayer. 
It was the only thing that made sense to this man. It was the only thing that would have made sense to the original Christians in the, in the New Testament. Um, that they wouldn't have understood when they gave, when they gave everything and, and some of them even their lives to begin following Jesus, it wouldn't have made sense to not pour out their life in prayer and in God's word. It wouldn't have made sense to them. For us, it's so much more of a comfortable religion. We do all these things and we don't even concern ourselves with, with, the, with God's word, the, the guide, the spirit in us praying to him to, to say, what should we be doing today? How should we live our life? What should we do with this money you provide for us? And, and all these things and these people you put in our lives, how do we treat them and how do we talk to them about you and spread the gospel? We don't even barely go to that. And... And that's a scary thing. Um, here, here's a, I think I've got a slide, Steve, about what Tim Keller, do y'all know Tim Keller? He's a, he's a really good author, and he wrote the book, The Reason for God. Here's a quote from that about idols. You are committing idolatry. This is important. You are committing idolatry when you seek to establish a sense of self by making something else more central to your significance, purpose, and happiness than your relationship to God. I'll read it one more time. You are committing idolatry when you seek to establish a sense of self by making something else more central to your significance, purpose, and happiness than your relationship to God. A lot of times this comes across when we introduce ourselves to somebody. I don't want to be too weird about it and go overboard, but you know when I say, hey, I'm Brian, I'm a pastor, or hey, I'm Brooke, I'm a, I'm a mother of two, or I'm a contractor, or I'm a vice president, or a CEO, or I'm a, I'm a friend, or I, I'm whatever, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times those first things that come to our mind about who we are are, are kind of sometimes the things that we're looking to to base our identity off of instead of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that every time you introduce yourself, you should say, hey, Brian, hey, Brian, I'm Brian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. That would be really great and, uh, because that is really who, truly who we are if we are a Christian. If we have faith in God, that's who we are. That's where we get our identity from, okay? And so sometimes the reason I get nervous about idolatry is because sometimes I think that we don't even, we don't see those things that we're putting ahead of God in our life. And that scares me because idolatry is pretty much the biggest, you know, the biggest thing. You know, God, the first commandment, don't have any other gods. That's what idolatry is when we have another God. And he doesn't, he doesn't get too happy about that when we have other gods. Um, so we must turn away from our idols and we must turn to serve the living and true God. So point three is, we have to turn away from idols and turn toward God. That's what a transformational church would look like is when it's full of, of people who have faith, hope, and love in Jesus Christ that it's not just saying I have faith, but it's a busy faith. It, it pushes us toward doing works, studying our Bible, spending time in prayer. When we put other things ahead of those things, we are that, remember what the Robert Murray said? He said, we are abusing the joys of this world. He's not saying that 
there's not some things that we can enjoy here on earth. He's saying when Facebook and going to the movies and sports and, and, uh, and jobs and all these things, all those things get on our calendar and take up more time than, and, we, and we end up leaving these things out, God's word and prayer, we're abusing those things of this world. And he said, oh, sit loose to the joys of this world because they're going to pass away. And um, so we have to turn away from those things and turn towards serving the God. So faith, hope, and love, that we would become an example to other believers. That's a big one for Heritage Community Church. We've always, how many times has Sydney told you, you are the what? And you are our Billboard, thank you. So we don't pay for advertising at Heritage. We don't post, you know, ads in the magazines. We don't get us a billboard out town and pay $2,000 a month for it. The people in Heritage are the billboard. We're to be an example to other believers. When people say, when I introduce myself to someone and I say, I'm Brian, I'm one of the pastors at Heritage Community Church, I want them to go, oh, I've heard about y'all. Where are y'all at? Oh, well, we're in a school. It's actually not a school anymore, and I have to go through and tell the story. But I love it when they say, oh, you guys were the ones that did Operation Bless Wildwood. Remember when we when we connected with all those other churches and we fed like 150 people for Christmas and gave presents, remember that? That's an example. That's being an example to other people. That's a big deal for us. Project Legacy, oh, you guys are the ones that were part of, of building that playground over at the Lady Lake Elementary just because, yeah, yeah. That's, and we wanna be that example. And we want to hear people going, remember last week when this place was full and we had eight or nine people get baptized? Remember? Y'all haven't forgot that, have you? That was kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, when, most churches don't have eight or nine people get baptized in a week. That was a big deal. And, and that, those people, Kenny, man, Kenny, if y'all know Kenny, Kenny made a decision for the Lord only, man, a week and a half ago now and was baptized last week, and he's already becoming an example to people as he starts to tell people and his friends and his family and, and people he works with. I love his story. Y'all should get to know Kenny. And look, he's sitting front and center. It's fantastic. That's because I know you were. Oh, well, thanks. You want to feel bad. So point number two, become an example. We're in point three, turn away from idols and turn towards God. I do not want us to be putting anything at that most high place in our life. Even if we think that it's a good thing, like our family. I got a family, okay, and it's pretty high up there. But when we make it the top and not God, that's, that's from there on it begins to crumble. Uh, with the idolatry Tim Keller, he was talking later on in that book, and he said, any of those other things that we choose to put to, to find ourself in, our identity in, all of those things will fail us. If, you, if your identity is that of a, of a mother of two or three, and that is the number one thing in your life, and that becomes the God, when your kids act up and, and they become teenagers and they rebel, all of a sudden, everything that you've done in your life and saying, I am a mom, I'm a good mom, I'm a mom, I'm a mom, I'm a mom, that's my identity, and then your kids rebel, now what? You're a failure, right? Because that was the most important thing to you. When your job is your identity, and you're a construction dude making $5 million a year in the villages, and it's killing it, 
and then the economy tanks, and that was your identity, it fails you, doesn't it? When your identity is a husband, and you mess up and yell at her one day, I know you would never yell at her. <laughs> now you're a failure. Anything that we can put at the top that's not God will eventually fail and make the whole thing crumble. When we put God as our number one identity, he's where we seek um, our self-worth from. He will never fail us. Never. And, and that's serving the one true living God who is everything for us. Are you with me? Um, next week, we're going to read chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to talk about even more about how we become a transformational person so that when we fill up this room, this this body, this church, local church body, we become a transformational church. So if you want, read chapter 4 all week long. Just read it once a day, and you'll be right there ready for us, and, and that's what we're going to do. Let me pray, and we're going to be done. I know we're done early, but that's fine because the people that do children's ministry, they love it when I preach. So, um, <laughs> and, uh, but thank you. Let's, your group life this week, now that group life starts this week, every group life meeting will be based on this sermon. So the plan is that you wouldn't just come and hear a sermon on Sunday morning, but then you'd get it again in group life. And then did you know that we're having devotionals written every day? And guess what they're about? Sunday sermon. And so if you choose to do that daily devotional Monday through Friday, you'll be getting it again and again and again. And the plan is that we just soak ourselves in God's word okay, and become a transformational church. We will not be a transformational church no matter how good of things that we do unless our people are transformed people by God's word. If you do not read God's Bible, we will not be a transformational church. We won't be. There's no way. It's all on us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's powerful, that, that you breathed out every single word of it, and every single word is useful for us. I pray that we would fall in love with your word, that it would not sit on our shelf, that it would not sit on a table, but that it would be something that we go to every day because we don't put the things and the joys of this world ahead of it, that it becomes first. And our time in prayer with you, Father, I know that prayer is powerful. You answer prayer. Your Bible promises to. I want us to be a church of prayer. We thank you for this local church body called Heritage Community Church and how you're using it to reach out and spread your gospel all over the world. Thank you for James giving up his time from his family to go to another country where it can be a scary thing to talk about you, and yet you're being worshipped this week in Pakistan and in India. I pray for safety on that trip. I pray for our pastor this morning, Lord. Thank you for him. He's a gift to us. Lord, we love you. Send us out this week to be examples to other believers and to non-believers as well. Encourage us to have the faith, hope, and love that are obvious, clear marks of a Christian life. And Father, please, please speak clearly to us when we begin to put other things in front of you. Don't let us be a, a church of idolatry. We love you. You are the one true God, and we desire to serve you. Thank you for everything you do for us. Amen.